you get a lot of time when you preach, so come on, come on. Um, hey, I've, I was in prayer yesterday, and I just, you know me, I like to, iPhones are good, like any phone, just technology is helpful, because, you know, my brain doesn't hold everything, and so I'm thankful I can write things out on here. So can we, can we stand? I just, I wanted to share this. Um, it kind of leads, I, I, it kind of leads into just a message I want to share today. I won't be too long, but uh, I just really felt this is, this is the Lord. Um, if, if you've, if you're familiar just with, you know, other churches and just regional stuff, what God's doing, God's just, he's, he's really touching people's lives in a specific way. And, um, you know, if, if you, you know, if you come out on the streets with us or if you, if you, you know, you might get saved of, of boredom, <laughs> you might get saved from the fear of man. You know, there's a lot of Christians who need to get saved. I'm not talking about a spiritual salvation. I'm talking about fear of man, boredom, spiritual apathy, and, and God's on the move. And who knows that our, our life is not we're trying to get God to do stuff. Our life is, we're just responding to what the Spirit of God is doing. And, and too, many, like, too many people, we try to convince God. You know, I probably spent, I reckon I would have spent half, over half my life trying to convince God of things that He's already given me permission and authority to walk in. I mean, that'll, that'll preach, come on. We, we so, you listen, listen, uh, if you listen to your prayers, just, I don't know if you do, if, do, do people have like an internal dialogue when you're praying or worshipping? And like, I'm praying something and then there's an internal dialogue going on. Listen, listen to your internal dialogue when you're praying. Listen to what you're saying, listen to what you're thinking, because I can guarantee you there are ways that you are living where you're trying to convince God to love you, you're trying to convince God to bless you. You're trying to convince God to do all these things in your life, not realizing that the reason Jesus came was that he would say, you can now be convinced that it's done, 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 done. And you can now live from the finished work of the cross. Come on. So we need to have it in our hearts that actually, actually, I don't need to convince God that there's going to be a move of God in this region. I don't need to try to convince God to touch someone's life. Like, He wants to do it more than I want Him to do it. I don't have to convince God to love someone. Like, I don't need to try to convince God. And the problem is, is that we're so busy trying to convince the Lord to do things that we're missing what He's already done and we're not living by faith and appropriating the promises of God in our life. Boom. Come on. All right. I want to share this and then... We'll get into it. I just, oh, is it all right if we have a bit of fun this morning? Yeah. All right, good, good. 50, you know, 50%, it's, when I was in Bible college, they, I'm sorry, I'm just procrastinating, but anyway. 50, in, in Bible college, they're like, 50% of people will like your preaching, 50% won't. And I was like, that's not true. I'm just going to convince everyone that they like my preaching. But it's true because... 50, you got two types of people, 50% want like a three-point sermon, give me, give me your three takeaways, give me something I can take during my week, I can write it down in my notes, bang, 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 I can apply that to my life, and that's like 50% of the room, and then the other 50% of the room is like, no, nah, I, I get bored with that, I want to hear stories, I want to hear, you know, go down the rabbit trails, share what God's doing, all that, and so it's like, the 50% that you like the structured sermon, I'm sorry, it's not going to be today. So, <laughs> anyway, all right. Are you ready? I just felt to share this. It's a bit of a long word, but anyway. God is pulling people up to the standard of his kingdom. Status quo Christianity is going to become the abnormal of the church. There is a gift of hunger being released upon our lives. It is not a man-made hunger, but it is a hunger and desire birthed by the Spirit of God within us that isn't satisfied with anything less than Jesus 
and his power to save, deliver, heal, set free, reconcile, redeem and restore. The simple gospel works. I'll say that part again. The simple gospel works. He's calling people up to a higher way of daily living and thinking. Living in royalty as his sons and daughters will become a daily expectation in the hearts of his people. Bored Christians are being awakened to the reality of the empowering presence of God and the radical love that drives out the devil of lukewarmness out of our lives. Old and worn out ways of living are being lovingly removed. Watching other people do ministry will no longer satisfy. God is stirring a burning desire in our hearts which is breaking off chains of comfortability. No longer will there be a longing for the days of old, but we are catching the joy set before us of what God is currently releasing upon the earth. We will begin to know the Holy Spirit as the dominating power upon the earth. Timidity will no longer be masked as wisdom as the fear of man is being melted away by a restoration of the majesty of Jesus and the fear of the Lord. Let go of control and let God stir a vision in your heart to live a naturally supernatural life in Him. Come back to first love. We love because He first loves us. God, I just thank You for Your presence in our hearts. I thank You for Your presence in this place. And Father, I just ask that the reality of who You are would become so much more known in our lives. That God, the mouldiness of religion will melt away in people's lives, in the church, in the bride of Christ. That the fear of man will be stripped off people's lives in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that truth would pierce the hearts of people and that we would live out of the reality of the empowering presence of God. I thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, awesome. Yep, you can take a seat. While you're doing that, if you've got your Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 40. Exodus chapter 40, verse 34. Uh, come on. Hey, who, put your hand up if you were part of our like, new creation course, new covenant course, if you came to that. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Um, we, we teach a lot on covenant theology and the way God relates to humanity. And, and, and we taught on, our, on last Thursday, we taught on victorious eschatology. Because who knows that your vision for the future determines the way you live now. And um, maybe, maybe we need to bring, bring that into a Sunday morning, that preach one time. But I just, I, I want to encourage you that God is so much bigger than the devil. And if you have a framework for what God's going to do on the, uh, if you have a framework of the earth and what's going to happen of, it's getting worse and worse, it's getting darker and darker, that's just wrong. It's not. The, the Holy Spirit is the dominate, He is the dominating force upon the earth. Come on. The, the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. I mean, it, does, it doesn't say sin shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. It says God's glory. And so we need to have a vision in our hearts of the dream of God for this world. Is that all right? Can we do that? All right. Cool. We get it. We'll allow it. Exodus 40, verse 34. I just want to read, read this and then we'll flow from there. But it says, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting. And so Moses and the Israelites, they've finished building the tabernacle in the, in the wilderness. And the glory, so the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it. So did you get that? God's presence was there and Moses couldn't get in because his presence was there and God is so holy. 
In all the travels, uh, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle, in all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. So all the tribes are encamped around the tabernacle, around the tent of meeting, right, where the presence of God is. But if, it, if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out. So the cloud lifts and moves, they would go. And if the cloud stayed there, they wouldn't move until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and the fire was in the cloud by night. In the sight of all the Israelites during their travels. I don't know about you, but that's pretty epic. It's amazing. That just tells me that... that God can be everywhere and people can still live in unbelief and reject him. Because Israel, 40 years in the wilderness, what were they known as? Hebrews 4 says that they were known as an unbelieving and perverse generation. They were known as a generation that complained and grumbled towards God. Yet, every single day, they saw the presence of God. Every single day, they would see the presence of God as a cloud by day and a fire by night. All the tribes encamped around it would see it every single day, yet they still lived in unbelief in the promises of God. They still lived in unbelief and complained and and they were speaking the devil's language. Come on. And so that just tells me that we can have all of God and not know it, not see it, and still complain and still grumble in our lives. We can have a hard heart towards the Lord. Come on, uh, I, I, just, I feel that God's putting his finger on our lives, on our hearts today, and he's saying, are you soft and tender to me? Are you soft and tender to what I want to do in your life? Are you soft and tender to what I want to do in your family? Are you soft and tender to my moving in my presence Or are you like, yep, a little bit of God is good and a little bit of me is good. A little bit of God's vision and his promises and a little bit of my vision and my dream and God, I'll pull you into my life. Come on. Who who knows that you don't, God God doesn't come into your life. He kills your life. (laughs) You were crucified, Galatians 2.20. We are crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. So God's not trying to change your life. Do you get that? God's not trying to change your life. He's trying to show you how much you have already been replaced. It's no longer I who live, but it is Christ in me. And now he's showing you how to live out of life union with him. Come on. I mean, that'll, that'll get the ticker going. As people, I love, you, see, you say some statements and then you see people's heads go like that. It's awesome. And so Acts chapter 2 is, is, the, is the new covenant fulfillment of, Act, of, of Exodus 40. The glory of the Lord came, the presence of God came upon the tabernacle in the Holy of Holies, cloud by day, a fire by night. In Acts chapter 2, gee, well, there was, there's no longer a temple. So who is the temple of the presence of God? You are. Come on. And so in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, God, no one could get to God. No one could get to God. It says Moses could not enter. Even Moses, the, Moses was the, the, the one, the, like the high priest between Israel and God. Even Moses couldn't get into the presence. And now God says in Acts 2, the Spirit of God is poured out upon people. People are filled with the presence of God. And now you can't get the presence of God out of people. Come on. So we, we need to have a framework, a, a, a shift of, of thinking, a shift of lens of what it actually means to be a people of God's presence. We, we need to have that. God, what does it actually mean to be a person of your presence? That I carry your presence with me. That you, not only do I carry your presence with me, but you live in me. So uh, I work as, a, as a, part of, a part of my uh, work, not here, but I work uh, a, around a lot of young guys. And who knows, that, who knows that 
young guys, they just, they call out the BS. Come on. They do. Like, you can't, you can't fake it with young people. You can't be like, oh, yeah, you just got to love Jesus, I love Jesus, and then just go off and live a totally separate life from the Lord. And young people are hungry for Jesus, but they're just looking in all the wrong places and they're trying to fill their lives with comforts and things that, that are completely empty. There's no life in it. And we look at a generation and we think, well, that's, yep, they're just, oh, they're stuck in this, that, that, and oh, it's never going to change. Sounds a lot like Israel when the presence of God was in their midst. Come on. And so, and so I, I work with all these young people and I'm just learning. I, I'm learning. I'm learning to live naturally supernatural. Because you know what I realized in my life is that I, I have more faith for God to move in a worship set than I do when I'm building a fence. I have more faith for God to move and touch someone's life or, or what in, in worship when, oh, this feels amazing, right? Feelings, emotions, which are good. I have more faith in that for God to touch someone than I do when I'm walking throughout my day down the street, in the coffee shop, getting my groceries, in my family, working, working at a school, whatever. We need to be a people who are naturally supernatural, realizing that the presence of God is in us and around us every single day. And whether I'm in my prayer room or whether I'm down the street or whether I'm with Hazel in the car, I need to realize that God is here. The King of glory is with me. And I, all I need to do is respond to what He's doing. I don't need to convince Him. Come on. Too many people. <laughs> We're trying to convince God and then we get, you know, oh, I just got to get home and get in my prayer room, which is great. We need to pray. We need to spend quality time with the Lord. Come on. But it's like, it's like I just need to go to this. I need to go to this. And what we're actually doing is we're disempowering the presence of God that is within you and with you every day. We disempower His presence because we have segregated our life. You know, we talked about this with our... With our team, it's like, it's like the secular versus the sacred. And we need to smash that barrier. We need to smash that wall of secular and sacred. Because if, listen, hear my heart. I get it. There are things that, are, that we do that are, that are holy. And so there's behaviors that are holy and there's behaviors that are unholy. I get that. But if the Holy Spirit lives in you, that means that you are holy. Therefore, everything you do, every way of living, your very breath is sacred. Are we getting it? Come on. I just want to break that dividing barrier for people because when you get this, all of a sudden you catch the dream of God that I can live a naturally supernatural life knowing that the presence of God is in me and around me every single day. And I actually don't have... If a problem comes along, and, and I'm okay, people do this, awesome, get it. But I actually don't have to call a hundred friends and ask them to pray because something's really hard in my day. Right? I get that. That can be good. Prayer partners, we need all that. But most people do that because they have a lack of faith in what God has already placed within them. And you disempower the presence of God in your life. Come on. Oh, this is good. I don't know how much I'm going to get through this, but woo, I'm preaching to myself. They're the best sermons when you preach to yourself. It's like even if no one's liking it, at least I like it, you know. It's good. It's good stuff. Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, so I'm with this young guy and we're working away, big you know, class and... You know, I've just had to learn because I'm around it every day and people are swearing in my ear and, you know, and it's, and it's like, oh, no, no, that's not holy. I can't be around that. I, gotta, I better separate myself from this room because they're swearing and they're unholy. <laughs> but that is how so many people act. I better go home tonight and pray doubly to make sure I haven't been slimed by all the swear words that have been around me that day. <laughs> Come on. I mean, oh, I'm getting, I feel like I'm hitting it. The finger of God. Psh. 
And so I'm, and, and he's, and he's, he's, you can see a lot of people are like, oh, you know, I can't talk about Jesus. I can't talk about God in my workplace, right? I can, personally I can, but a lot of people are like, well, I can't talk about God, otherwise I might get fired, right? So then you have to make a decision of has God called me here? If he's called you there, then you can still live for Jesus. Let your life speak. We come in an opposite spirit. Every single person is living in the spirit of the world who is not in relationship with God. So every day I get to speak identity and life into these young people. Come on. Every single day. I don't, I don't have to necessarily be talking about Jesus. Why? Because the presence of God is with, with me. I'm partnering with the Holy Spirit. I'm hearing what he's saying and I'm speaking it into the world of these young people and shifting their lives tearing down lies, building truth in their hearts, and the things that I'm saying into their life, they've never heard from other people. Come on. And so we're like, well, I can't talk about Jesus, so what do I do? Do that. Be a father. Be a mother in that place. Come on. It's time to think bigger. It's time to, to, to get God's dream. Get God's dream for your life, not your own. Get God's. Come on. Oh, and so with these young guys and he, you know, just complaining, blah, 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 all this, F this, F that, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you get, you get, I'm just giving you an insight into my world. I think this just helps people. Um, and then you, he, you all thought I was like Elijah the prophet off in the wilderness during the week, right? And then not talking to anyone, secluded. And then I come back here with an amazing message. No, no. And, and he's like, this, this young kid comes in complaining and he's like, oh yeah, my knee's, my knee's gone, got a bad knee, blah, 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 footy, I'll probably have a bad knee for the rest of my life and all this stuff. And I'm just like, oh, nah. Like, no, you don't have to. You don't have to have a bad knee for the rest of your life, man. Like, that, that's, not, that's not how God sees your life. That's not how God sees you. And, and, I'm, and I'm sitting there and I'm just like, you know, I've made a commitment in my heart to say, whenever I feel fearful about doing something that's of the Lord, I'm going to do it. Why? Because the spirit of fear comes in to steal, kill, and destroy. And so I know if the spirit of fear is coming in that God actually wants me to step out in faith. So it's a good indicator that I'm going to step out. Come on. And so we're, we're working, working away, building a table. And I just put my, I'm just like, and I'm just like, oh, let me pray for that knee. Bang, didn't just... I'll try and say this because I know it's helpful for people. I'll just try and say it exactly the way I did it. That's a good way to share a testimony. Don't embellish it or anything like that. I'm like, oh, yep, give me, just pass your knee. Yep, knee here. Put my hand on his knee. I command all pain to leave in Jesus' name. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Amen. And he looks at me like I'm a lunatic. Good. I'm used to that by now, so that's fine. And he gets up and he starts moving and what, and he's like, I won't say what he said, but he said, get something. And then, and then, and then, it's, and, and then you just speak identity into their life. It's like, hey, God, God does that because he loves people. God does that because he loves you. Like he, actually, he actually really loves you. Is that, does that feel like a really holy moment? <laughs> yes, that, that's what holy, yes and no, that's what a holy moment is. Naturally supernatural. Yet we've segregated things to the point where when I'm in worship, that's holy. And when I'm not in worship, that's not holy. Come on. So we, we live, we live, you know, in Moses' generation, it was the man of God. The, the one that was connected to God, everyone else heard from that. In the new covenant, and I'm just going to say, most people will know this. Some people know this phrase, some people won't. But in the new covenant, everyone gets to play. Every single person gets to play. And so some people, you have to break that dividing barrier between you and God that says, I, I don't have the presence of God. I'm not good enough. I can't do it. And it's for those people and not me. I go off and do this work during the week and then I come to church and feel holy on a Sunday and maybe I go to a small group and pray a little bit. But my work's not holy. This is holy. Come on. Jesus destroyed that. Jesus destroyed that. He said, everything you do, Paul says in Colossians, everything you do, you do it unto the Lord. Come on. So that means every single person gets to play. 
Every single person carries the presence of God into your world. Every single person is called to advance the kingdom of God. Come on. You need to smash that dividing wall of people who are in ministry and people who aren't in ministry. I'm just going to, I wasn't going to go, I'm just going. We need to smash that wall. People who are in ministry that I'll pray for you during the week and yep, bless you and I'll, I'll, I'll give financially, which is awesome. And you're in ministry, but I'll just live over here and live my life here. Come on. Every single person has a, who has a relationship with the Lord has been made a brand new creation. You have rivers of living water flowing through you, just waiting to get out. Stop trying to convince God. Break down some barriers in your life and say, Lord, let's get it this week. Come on. All right. Amen, Hazel. Hazel's building towers out the back. Come on, tower builder. Um, oh, if you if you got your Bible, turn to Joshua. I just I wanted to talk a bit. I've got a little bit of time left. I want to talk about defining moments. There's defining moments. We we were. For those who know, like, I'm just going to share from my heart on, what, on how God's wired me and, and you just, you need to apply that to your own life. But um, we were going, we've been hitting the streets of Lilydale for a long time, probably like oh, maybe over, over a year and a half, nearly two years, and not seeing a lot of fruit. And we're praying and we're like, God, we just, we want to see people get saved. We want to see people get healed. We just want to see the power of the gospel touch people's lives. And we just, we, we just want that. And uh, we don't have to convince you because that's, that's Jesus. That's why he died. But we're not seeing it. And so we, we need to see it. We need to contend. And we're praying and not, not much is happening. And there's those defining moments. There's defining, who's ever had that? Like a defining moment in your life where you're like, I could make a decision and I could either go that way or I could go that way. And I, personally, I was just like, no, nah, I'm just going to keep going after this rain, hail or shine, literally, rain, hail or shine. We're just going to keep going out there. We're going to keep going on the streets. We're going to keep sharing the gospel with people. We're going to keep loving on people because I don't personally, I don't have time to set up a program. <laughs> I love programs. Programs are really helpful, but I just don't have time to set up some a program. I hope we have something in the future, but we don't have time to set up a program. So God, I'm just going to go after this, right? And um, and so we were seeing like barely anyone get saved. Like like probably for the first ten months, like people in Lilydale really really felt. I felt like people are really hard to the gospel. I felt like this is really challenging. People don't care. People aren't open to God. But we just kept going for it. There are those defining moments in your life where you need to say, where you need to ask the Lord and say, okay, what do I do here? I think I need to keep contending. All right, go for it. And so we just kept contending. We just kept going for it. And in the last six months, as Liam said, every time we go out now, which for me, which a year ago when I would go out on the streets and talk to people about Jesus or I'd be in the shopping center talking to people about the Lord, I wouldn't expect much right? And it was my dream that you would talk to someone, they'd be open to the gospel, they'd be open to God, you'd pray with them, God would touch their life, and then they'd believe in Jesus and accept him into their heart, right? But it wasn't happening. And so we're contending, we're going after it, we're praying. And literally now, every time we go out, someone is getting saved. Someone is getting touched by the gospel. Literally every time. This is not like we don't, I don't exaggerate in that. That's not me exaggerating. Uh, like, like, I'm literally saying every time we go out together as a team, someone gets saved. Someone gets taken out of hell and brought into heaven. Come on, literally every time. And I believe that there are defining moments in our life where we can choose to go one way or the other. And if we, we choose the other way, I would never have seen that. I don't think we would ever be seeing that unless we kept going, we're going for it, we're going for it, we're going for it. Why? Because that's the word of the Lord. God's called us to do that. And so Joshua 1, I wanted to preach from this 
And just, and just, I just think this is an awesome, a great story in how the Lord works with Joshua's life. My heart for people today is, is that you would just learn that I'm learning to build from the empowering presence of God within me. I'm learning to build my life from the empowering presence of God within me. I, uh, last time I shared, I, I shared from Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborer labors in vain. In other words, you can labor your whole life in vain because you're doing things separate from God, right? Uh, the flip side, the positive of that is that, is that we, we can surrender and let go of control and say, God, I want you to build the house. Come on, build the house. That's your job. God's job is to build the house. My job is to look after my inner world and let the empowering presence of God build in my life. We're getting it? So Joshua 1.1 says, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, Moses, uh, Joshua the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Joshua probably already knew that. That's an amazing word of the Lord right there, isn't it? Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. God also promised Abraham this as well. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on the land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness into the south to the Lebanon mountains into, in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will, listen, I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Abandon you. Joshua... Uh, He's in this place in his life like Moses has led. Moses took the Israelites out of Egypt. Think about how God used Moses and the miracles God performed to get the Israelites out of Egypt into the wilderness, right? Moses has, uh, Joshua has seen this and Joshua has seen the leadership of Moses for 40 years, Right? And so Joshua's there. Think about, I just want you to put yourself in the shoes of Joshua. Moses is dead. And you're thinking, what the heck am I going to do? <laughs> the guy I've looked up to my whole life, the guy who's led this nation has gone. And what am I going to do? What, what, little, little old Joshua. What am I? Moses is the one who's had the encounters. Moses is the one who's been on the mountains. Moses has been the one who's been in the presence of God. Moses has been the one who's interceded between God and the people. It's all been about Moses. And now Joshua's here. And if you read on in this story, God says four times, be, be of courage. Be courageous, Joshua. Do not fear. Be courageous. Do not fear. So, I mean, here's a really, this is, this is a really hard revelation but I, I just, I think God is telling Joshua to be courageous. Which means, I know, I know this is, I know, I know people, you're going to think I'm really smart for saying this. But this means that Joshua was fearful, right? Um, does that make sense? Do people get that one? Come on, boom, got it. Joshua is fearful, right? God is working, the Lord is working on his identity. Who... Who knows that the Lord is always working on you in the terms of that he's teaching you to live out of your identity in him. In other words, Joshua was living out of a false identity. He was claiming something in his life that wasn't him. He was fearful. Joshua, I want to give you a really easy, simple truth be of good courage because fear is not a part of you. Come on. Be of good courage because fear is not a part of you. So why does God say Moses is dead? Why do you think God's saying Moses is dead? Because Joshua needs to let go of something. And whenever there are defining moments in our life, we always need to let go of things, right? I need to let go of fear 
so that I can allow the Lord to build from his empowering presence within me. God wants to build courage in my heart, and so I need to let go of fear. I need to stop holding on to a false idol, and I need to grab a hold of the Lord and let him build in my life. Amen? Amen. Come on. And so, uh, for as no one will be able to stand against you, listen to this, as long as you live For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will be with you as I was with Moses. You know, the psalmist says in Psalm 119, I think it's verse 111, he says that God says to the, my testimonies are your inheritance. My testimonies are your inheritance. So as a child of God, The testimonies of God are your inheritance. A lot of people don't understand the ways of God. Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Be of good courage. Do not fear. My testimonies are your inheritance. What I've done in the life of Moses, I will surely do it in your life. How I worked through Moses, the miracles I did for Moses, how I came through for Moses, how I touched Moses' life, I will do the same in your life. My testimonies are your inheritance. Uh, People don't realize that this is a book full of testimonies of what the Lord has done in humanity and what he's done in people's lives. His testimonies are my inheritance. In other words, when I look at what God has done in in Elijah, in Joshua, in Peter, in, in Paul, in John's life, when I look at what God's done in a nation, his testimonies are my inheritance. Therefore, I get the testimony of God and I begin to prophesy it into my future. We prophesy the do-it-again anointing of the Lord into our future. The testimony of God has a prophetic edge to it because it says when someone shares a testimony, it's saying, God, do it again. So when I hear a testimony of someone being healed of something that I I am struggling with, I say, yes, Lord, do it again. I prophesy that into my future. Come on. I'm not trying... Joshua didn't need to try to convince God to use him as, Moses would, as, as he used Moses. Yet a lot of us are trying to convince God to use us as he would use someone in the past. You don't need to convince God. You need to get a hold of the testimony of what the Lord has done because his testimony is your inheritance. And inheritance is your legal right. It's yours. You don't have to, I don't, I'm very thankful that I don't have to convince my beautiful parents that, that there's an inheritance for me. <laughs> come on. I'll take that. I'll take that. The economy is going to come on. I'll get it. <laughs> but I don't have to convince them because I'm their child, right? And we don't need to convince God. We don't need to convince him of our inheritance. He freely gives it to us. Come on. And so his testimonies are my inheritance. Some people in the room today, what you've been believing the Lord for, this is the way God works, how he's set up your life. You need to get a testimony of what he's done in the scriptures and you need to get a testimony of what he's currently done or he's done in the past in someone's life and you need to speak it over your future. You need to declare it by faith. Joshua, be of good courage. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And so most people don't realize this, but God works from the inside out. I've shared this before, but God works from the inside out, from his empowering presence within us. So he will show me all that he's placed within me, and then the Lord will begin to teach me on how to apply that in my life. The devil will always work from the outside in. So the devil will always use circumstances in your outer world to try to quench and disempower what God has placed in your life. Joshua, he's bringing fear into Joshua's life. Fear is not a part of Joshua's identity, yet he's letting a spirit of fear in the world get in on the inside of him. And then what the devil does is he makes you think that it's a part of you. And so a lot of people don't realize how the spirit realm works. The spirit realm works in the demonic in that 
a demon will give you its thoughts and then make you think that you're the one that thought it and then make you think that it was you. That is how the demonic works. So for men in the room, a demon will give you a thought of lust, right? And then, and then if you're not strong in your identity, you'll act on that and then you'll think that that was you and you're just a bad person and you're this terrible, lustful person. It's getting real. All right, I'm getting real. It's true. And so we need to learn to realize the identity that God has given us and we need to learn to walk in that and we empower His presence in our life. We empower what He's doing in our hearts. Amen? A good question to ask yourself. Hello, Hazel. Good question to ask yourself is, what are you building in me? Lord, what are you building in me? And what are you preparing me for? I want you to ask yourself that question. Because there are these defining moments in our life. I, I believe that our church is in a defining moment. I believe the church in Melbourne's in a defining moment. And I believe that there's people in the room who you are in defining moments. And there's these defining moments in our life where we need to ask ourselves, Lord, what are you building in me? And what are you preparing me for? What are you building in my heart? And what are you preparing me for? Like, I, I think Peter's shadow, Peter's shadow was just an extension of what God had already built in his heart. And so it just, flow, it just popped out of him. The kingdom of God was just around him and touched people's lives because he knew how God worked from the inside out. Amen? It's good. I want to... I'll, 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 fi I'll finish on this and then I just, I don't know if we'll do some ministry time, but I think we'll just finish on this. So Elijah had a, anyone remember the story of Elijah, the prophet? And he has this huge victory in battle. Like he, he comes, he has this massive victory where the priests of Baal and, and, and Ahab and Jezebel are all against him. No, it's, who knows it's a bad day when no one likes you? Like, that's just not a great day. Like, you can be the strongest person on the earth, but it's like, if no one likes you, it's like, dang. Mum raised me to be a likable person. No one likes me. Dang it. And Elijah, Elijah, he has this huge victory where the power of God comes and the miracle he received touched a whole nation. It brought regional breakthrough. The the prophets of Baal are all wiped out. There's this huge victory displayed publicly to the king, displayed publicly to everyone. And Elijah, he gets fearful, he gets worried, he lets the spirit of fear come in. I, I just think the main way the devil disempowers Christians is through fear. I just think that if you look out all throughout Scripture... It's the fear of man. All throughout Scripture, it is the fear of man that disempowers the believer. And so Elijah has this huge victory and then he's crippled by a spirit of fear and he runs off into the wilderness and God is so good in his loving kindness that he looks after him in the wilderness. This is in 1 Kings 19. I won't read it because it will take too long. And he goes off and he's in this cave on the mountain. And he's in this huge cave and... God says to him, I mean, who knows that God is just super profound? Like he says to Moses, uh, he says to Joshua, Moses is dead. And Joshua already knew that. Like, so God's so profound. And then he says to Elijah, he says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And so Elijah's just like, oh, well, I'm, I'm on the run. There's fear in my life. I'm scared. They're going to try and kill me. No one likes me. It's a bad day. I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. My wife doesn't like me. My kids don't like me. You know, it's just not a good day. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, re I'll read this part. I just think it's really powerful how God, whenever you were reading Scripture, we're just looking at how is the Lord working in someone's life to help them live out of their identity in Him and out of their calling in His life. And it says... A great, so God calls Elijah out of the cave and he says, The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass you by. 
Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice came, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah explains what he's doing there. Then in verse 15, it says, The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came. Go back the way you came. So who knows that a good parent doesn't always bail kids out. A good parent wants their kids to learn. God is a good father. He will not, he will not always bail you out. He wants us to learn and understand and understand his ways and learn to walk in his authority. And so he says to Elijah, Go back the way you came. A lot of people preach that Elijah lost his calling and mantle in that moment. I don't think that's true. I think God was preparing Elijah. It was a defining moment in his life where God's preparing him to actually learn to raise up a prophet below him. So God's saying, you've been a loner all your life. You've been functioning in this way in your life. And now I'm shifting the call. I'm shifting the season in your life. Now you need to learn to raise someone up underneath you. Now you need to learn to empower people. Everybody gets to play. Come on. There are some churches who need to learn to empower people. Because we have created a church culture as a whole of fan-based Christianity. Everyone come. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) who was that? Everyone come and watch the worship team. And we've created a culture, not we here, like we, we pursue health, we want, and we, but we, I'm just talking about this because we want to go after this. But the church in general has created this culture where we come and watch people worship and then people who are worshipping from the front are taught to engage people in the audience by smiling and wearing amazing clothes, which is fine, I'm all good with that. And, and we, we've created this culture that is so based around humanity rather than based on the Lord and on what He wants to do. Come on. And so God wants to destroy. I'm just going to, this is what God's doing. He wants to destroy fan-based Christianity. He wants to destroy, it's just the man of God. It's just the person from the front. It's just, it's just this special person, the evangelist, the prophet, the pastor, whoever. It, it, every single person gets to play. If you can get anything from this message today, go out with the understanding that I carry the presence of God in me and I need to make a commitment now in my life, a defining moment. I make a commitment that I get to play. I'm not sitting on the bench. I'm not a fan in the crowd. I'm out on the court. I'm out in the game and I get to play. I get to go with God and run with Him. And, and maybe if I stepped out in faith and didn't think that fear was a part of my identity and empowered the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit that are in me because the Holy Spirit lives in me, maybe if I grabbed a hold of that, all of a sudden I would start to think differently and actually have a little bit of faith that God will move in my world. Come on. Woo. And so Elijah, he goes back and he anoints Elisha. And God's working on his identity. God's, God's saying, but I just want to hit this. Elijah, Elijah's internal dialogue was terrible. And one of the ways that God will work on your identity in your life, he'll teach you to live out of his empowering presence within you. Lord, yep, so you're building from your empowering presence within me. So what are you teaching me in this season? What is the defining moment in this season? Every season of your life, like I believe in seasons, I don't believe that you you need to be spiritually dry. I don't believe that there has to be spiritually dry seasons because God lives in you, right? But I do believe in seasons. Like I'm a father now. Three years ago, I wasn't a father, right? So there's seasons in our life. God, what are you teaching me? What's the defining moment in this season? What are you building in my life? I don't want to miss it. I want to partner with you on what you're building. I don't want to partner with the spirit of the world. I don't want to partner with a demonic testimony because who knows that the devil has testimonies. I was sharing with someone just the other day, like when a lot, who knows that just housing's expensive, right? Housing is really expensive. 
And so when Beck and I were believing for a house, it's really easy to complain and it's really easy to partner with the spirit of the world and just say, well, it's just impossible in this generation to get a house. It's just impossible for our kids. This is just, it's just not going to happen. It's so hard. It's so difficult. Do you know that that is a demonic testimony? Do you know that you are partnering with the spirit of the world and a demonic testimony in your life, right? Because that is not what the word of God says. That is not a testimony from the Lord. And so we actually need, I know this is hitting home for some people, but we actually need to learn to partner with the testimony of what the Lord has done and of what he is doing. I need to get the word of God and fill my life with that rather than fill my life with the grumbling and complaining and the unbelief of Israel when the presence of God was directly there and they didn't care. Come on. I lost where I was, but that was, that was good. Self-dialogue. So we need to learn to shift our internal self-dialogue. We need to learn, Elijah, what's God working on in this season, in this defining moment? God is working in his heart to shift what Elijah is thinking, the way he's talking to himself. Oh, Lord, I'm here. I'm stuck. No one likes me. I can't do it. You don't love me. If you love me, this would happen in my life. If, you know, whatever. And, we, and so God's working on his internal self-dialogue, on, on, on what he's saying to himself. So all, everyone in the room right now, you have internal thoughts, internal self-dialogue. People, some people are thinking, man, Dean's... Dean's it's 11.53. He's going too long. You're thinking that. Other people are thinking what you're doing tomorrow. It's a long weekend. Other people, you know, we have this internal self-dialogue. Some of it is really healthy. Some of it is really unhealthy. And so God is working. The defining moment in this season for Elijah is will he partner with the Lord and actually begin to shift something in his heart so he can build from the empowering presence of God in him. Come on. So Elijah anoints Elisha as the next prophet, but who knows, Elijah was still prophet for a long time. And then when Elijah goes, Elisha walks in a double portion. Why? Because of Elijah. Because Elijah chose to partner with God in a defining moment and say, actually, I'm going to partner with the presence of God. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to build from his empowering presence. I'm going to learn what he's doing in my inner world and let God work from the inside out and not be defined by my outward circumstances. I'm not going to take on the identities of the circumstances around me, the identity of my past, what's happened to me. I'm not going to live from what's happened to me, but I'm going to, have, I'm going to live from what Jesus did for me. Come on. Too many people, we are crippled by trauma in the past and what's happened to us, and we're not empowering what Jesus has done for us. Come on. Oh. All right, why don't we stand? I want to read this over to you and then, and then we'll be done. Song of, Song of Solomon says this. I just want to read this over you. If you want to put your hands out, however is comfortable for you to receive from God. But I just, I really do believe, I really do believe in my heart that there are plenty of people where you are in a defining moment and you actually need, like, there is this, I'm in this defining moment in my life and I actually need to make a conscious choice to partner with what God wants to do in my world and to reject what the devil's trying to do in my world. And apply that how you want in your life. It can be a whole bunch of different things, but... I want to read this Song of Solomon, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 10. says, The one I love calls to me. Arise, my dearest. Hurry, my darling. Come away with me. So if, this, is, this is God pursuing you and wooing your heart. I have come as you have asked me to draw you to my heart and to lead you out. For now is the time, my beautiful one. You don't have to convince God. Now is the time, my beautiful one. The season has changed. The bondage of your barren winter has ended. And the season of hiding is over and gone. 
The rains have soaked the earth and left it bright with blossoming flowers. The season for singing and pruning the vines has arrived. I hear the cooing of doves in our land, filling the air with songs to awaken you and guide you forth. Can you not discern? Can you not discern? Can you not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth around you? The early signs of my purposes and plans are bursting forth. The budding vines of new life are now blooming everywhere. The fragrance of their flowers whispers, there is change in the air. Arise, my love, arise, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. Come on, defining moment. Run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. Father, I just pray that your spirit of wisdom and revelation, your spirit of counsel and might and understanding would rest in our hearts, God that we would be a people of your presence who are totally focused on you. That, Father, we would, that there would be a commitment in our heart to say, Jesus, I'm totally focused that the affections of my heart are towards you, God. That the affections of my heart are not towards another. That the desires and the affections and the dream of my life are totally totally focused on you because there is only life in you, Jesus. There is no one else like the Lord. Who is like the Lord? Who is like Him? No one else. There is no life in anyone else but Jesus. And so, Father, I pray for people today that there would be an awareness of Your presence in our lives in our hearts that we would truly learn to live from righteousness that we would begin to shift our language and our thinking and our thought life that we wouldn't we wouldn't spend half our time trying to convince you of things God but that we would live out of the reality of of who you are Jesus I pray for those who are weary and dry I, I prophesy over you in Jesus' name, that the river of the Spirit of God lives in you. I prophesy of you that you're learning to drink from living water. And Father, I just thank you for your testimonies. I say, do it again. Do it again. Come on, you don't need me to pray. Just just pray some testimonies of, over your life. God, do it again. We just partner with your testimony. Come on, this is where you need to make the decision to, to step out a little bit because I know there's people in the room and you need the promises of God to show up in your life. And so, Father, I just pray, do it again. Do it again, Lord. Those who need healing, do it again, God. Those who have a chronic disease, do it again, Lord. Do it again. Those who need a breakthrough, a miracle in their finances, do it again, God. Do it again. Father, people who are struggling with depression, anxiety, God, do it again. Do it again. Set captives free. Heal. Deliver. Come, Holy Spirit. Come on. This, you just got to press a little bit deeper. You got to go a little bit deeper in the room. We've got to go a little bit deeper. We've got to, we, we need to learn as a people to go deeper in the Lord together. If you pray in the Spirit, begin to pray in the Spirit.